Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. Well, good morning, Antioch Fort Worth, and I am so excited to be with you this morning to bring the Word of God, and man, I just believe that Jesus has so much hope for us today in this season uh, and in this unique time that we're living in, and this morning, I'm going to be sharing with you a topic that I am really passionate about, and that is the topic of peace. So wherever you're at in your living room or maybe with family or friends, just want to encourage you to turn to somebody next to you and say, I am made for peace. Amen. Just believe that that is God's invitation for us today. And, you know, I was recently impacted by this idea of peace just a week ago when my wife Charlotte, she came up to me and she said, uh, Ben, would you mind while I'm off at work today going and getting some toilet paper? And I said, uh, sure, you know, I'll, I'll go find some toilet paper. You might be able to relate to that. And I went off and sure enough, the first store that I pulled into, there were people coming out of the store with toilet paper in their baskets. And I thought, this is the moment. This is the moment I'm going to get my toilet paper. So I close the door and I run in. I grab a, a cart real quick and then I go in. I go straight to the paper goods aisle. I turn the corner and sure enough, there's seven packs of ultra soft, I almost said double stuff, but double thickness toilet paper. And I'm like, yes, I got my toilet paper. So I grab one of those. I put it in the cart and and I'm coming up to the checkout line. And of course, the checkout line is in incredibly long. Uh, but I'm just in the checkout line and I'm just feeling so good about myself. I'm like, I got this toilet paper. And as funny as this sounds, I'm standing there in line. And as I'm standing there, I feel like the Holy Spirit just very, very gently speaks to me and says, Ben, where are you finding your peace right now? And it was just a moment for me where I realized that there was a lot of angst that was going on inside of me. And maybe I'm not created to find my peace in an object or a thing, but maybe I'm created to find my peace in a person. And I believe this morning with all of my heart that Jesus has an invitation for each one of us to step into a level of peace that maybe we've never experienced before. Colossians 3.15 says it this way, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. You know, that word rule, it comes from the Greek word, which means to govern. It's like the rudder of a ship. So it's like in these days, Jesus wants to guide us and lead us with his peace. Another way that I think you could say that is that the peace of God is not the absence of problems. Anybody feel like there's some problems going on right now today? The peace of God is the presence of someone, and that is Jesus Christ. And I believe in all of our families that God wants to bring his peace. 
So what I'm going to do this morning is I'm just going to talk a little bit about peace. And specifically, I'm going to bring up three different hindrances to our peace. And I believe these can apply right now to this season that we're in related to the coronavirus, uh, but also when we're on the other side of the coronavirus in Jesus' name, that uh, these will be things that can encourage you. And then I just want to give you two simple practicals for how I believe you can be a man or a woman of peace in these days. So to start out, I want to help us understand that the Bible begins and ends by talking about peace. In the garden, Adam and Eve had peace with God and peace with one another. There was no conflict in the world or or between people. Everything starts out with peace. And then scripture says, at the end, that there will be a kingdom that is coming that will be ruled by peace. But you know, I did a little research and I found out something even more than that. There are 31,103 verses in the Bible, which means that there's a middle verse in the Bible. So there's 15,551 verses before this verse and 15,551 verses after this verse. What's the verse? Isaiah 26, 3. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So whether it's the beginning or it's the end or it's the very center of scripture, God is calling us to be a people of peace. So if God has made us for peace, I have a question for you. Why don't we have more peace? Why don't we walk in more peace? And I just want to submit to you a few reasons this morning that I believe are hindrances to our peace. And the first one is this. We have an enemy that fights against it. You know, as much as I know the presence of God by my peace, I know the presence of the enemy by my fear. But can I just say that it is the birthright of every single believer to walk in peace. How do I know that? John 14, 27, it says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Jesus is promising us that from the time he's left until the time he returns, you and I can have peace. You know, the peace of Jesus is abiding, eternal, and trans-circumstantial. It's easy to get and hard to lose. The peace the world and the enemy offers us is fragile, elusive, and circumstantial. It's hard to get and it's easy to lose. Now, you maybe have never felt anxious uh, or worried in your life, uh, but I certainly have at different moments, and especially recently in this season of coronavirus. And so I did a little word study on that word peace, and one verse that I came across, which I'm sure you've heard many times, is Philippians 4, 7, and it says, And the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. You know, that word guard is the Greek word phureho, which means to protect by a military guard or to prevent a military invasion. Can I just say 
the Holy Spirit has built a fortress of peace around you that the devil cannot penetrate so that you can walk in peace. That's the kind of peace that we're made for. That's the peace that we're invited to walk into these days. So that's the first hindrance. We have an enemy that fights against it. The second one is that sometimes we take peace into our own hands. Have you ever had the thought, God, I think I can handle this one just a little bit better than you can. Like you've got a lot on your plate right now, so I'll just take that one off of your plate. I remember uh, about five or six years ago when I was graduating from college, I was just anxious about what I was going to do next. And I was thinking to myself, man, uh, there's so many different options of things that I could do. And so I just started knocking on all different doors, trying to figure out, okay, where are you calling me, God? What am I supposed to do? And it was like, as I was doing that, I was just getting more and more and more anxious. And finally, one day, I just decided, okay, I need to spend some time with God about this. So I'm spending time with the Lord, and I'm just kind of pouring out my heart to God. And honestly, I was just a little frustrated. I was like, God, I don't understand why there's not any doors opening up. And I just felt like so gently in that moment, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Ben, have you asked me about this? Have you asked me about your future? I was like, great idea, God. Maybe I should do that. So I just paused for a moment. I just waited on the Lord. I said, Lord, what would you have for my future? And this picture comes to my mind of this professor that I had had during my undergraduate program. And I felt like God said, I just want you to go and have a conversation with this particular person. So I sent that person an email and showed up in her office and we just started uh, having a conversation about how school was going, about graduation. And in the middle of the conversation, she says, uh, Ben, what are you doing after you graduate? And I said, well, it's, it's funny you ask because I actually don't really know. I'm knocking on a lot of different doors and nothing's opening up. She said, well, it's funny you say that because we actually have one slot left in our Spanish master's program, and I was praying this week, and I felt like you're the one that's supposed to do it. Can I offer you a full-ride scholarship to do the program? Woo, man, I was pumped. I was like, yes, praise God. Yeah, I would love to do that. So why do I share that story with you? Well, I share that story with you guys because there were so many different preferences that I had of what I wanted to do in my life. But last time I checked, Jesus is not the prince of my preferences. He's the prince of peace. And he has called us and he has invited us to surrender things to him so that we might step into the fullness of peace and be led by his Holy Spirit and be led by wisdom. And I think even for all of us in this time, maybe there's preferences that you have. I mean, this might sound funny, but maybe you just feel like you need 36 rolls of Charmin, okay? You may not need 36 rolls of Charmin to have peace in your world right now. Whatever it is for you, whatever the preference is for for you, I believe there's an invitation for us to be a people of surrender and just go, Jesus, I'm laying this at your feet, whatever it is in my life right now, and I invite your peace. You know, in 1945, following World War II, the United Nations made a commitment to uphold world peace. Has that happened? Not at all. In fact, in recorded history, there's been 14,351 wars and 8,000 peace treaties that have all been broken. 
Why is that? Because man cannot bring peace. Peace comes only from Jesus. The world defines peace as the absence of conflict, but I think that's a wrong definition. Peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is the presence of righteousness. And I believe that for each one of us, there's an invitation for us to be those who are sowing righteousness into our homes in these days, sowing peace into our neighborhood in these days, whatever it looks like for you. You know, I was incredibly fortunate to grow up in a peaceful home. Not a perfect home, but a peaceful home. And the reason I believe that I grew up in a peaceful home is because every single night that I went to bed, my mom and my dad would come into my bedroom and they would lay their hands on me and they would pray that I would be a man after God's own heart and that I would love God with all of my heart. And that was the environment that I grew up in for 16 years. I mean, you want to talk about peace. You want to talk about the peace of God coming in in your life and changing your, your world. Because my mom and dad were intentional of being sowers of righteousness in my life. You know, Duke University um, recently conducted a study and uh, they found that full-length textbooks are not going to work for them anymore uh, because their brains can't take in all of the content. And what's amazing about that is that sometimes we are just moving so fast that we can't acknowledge the peace of God in our lives. And so that leads me to to just the third hindrance that I want to share with you, and that's that we live in a culture of speed. We live in a fast-moving culture. And, you know, right now, there is something that I believe God is giving us, and that is an incredible invitation that maybe we have never had before, and that is the invitation for us to slow down. For us to slow down and take a breath and be thankful for the things that are in front of us, faith and family and friends. Can I actually, can you, can you chime in something here? Um, I totally, uh, I basically hopped to the end of my message <laughs> accidentally. So um, I'm going to pick up with um, the story about my parents. I'm going to, I'll tell that story. Um, so I say, how's in G's, uh, wherever I talk about the, the story of my parents, so I'll just pick up there. Um, you know, I was incredibly, I'll, folks here. You know, I was incredibly fortunate to grow up in a peaceful home. Not a perfect home, but a peaceful home. And the reason I grew up in a peaceful home is because my mom and dad sowed righteousness into my home. And I remember every single night that I would go to bed, my mom and dad would come into my room and they would lay their hands on me and they would pray for the peace of God to come in my life. And I honestly believe that it was those moments where my mom and dad were, were praying for me that things were shifting and things were, were changing. And right now, you and I have an invitation to be those who are either taking peace or giving peace. So what does it look like for you in this season to be a peace giver and not a peace taker? You know, one of the things that I love here at Antioch is we're going to be 
uh, helping to serve our city in a couple different ways. Uh, we're going to be partnering with LVT Rise and Union Gospel Mission and some other nonprofits. And I just want to encourage you that there's an invitation for you to be one who sows righteousness and sows peace. And maybe it looks like just cooking a meal and taking it to somebody who is down the street that's in need. Or maybe it's giving a grandparent a phone call right now and telling them how thankful you are for them. Or just writing an encouraging note. Whatever it is, guys, I believe that the church is going to look back on this time and we have an opportunity to shape history. We have an opportunity to be the light and the hope and the peace of Jesus like never before. The question is, are we going to embrace it? Are we going to jump in so that when the history books 10 years from now are looking back on this time, they'll say this is a time where the church rose up and the body of Christ was the body of Christ to those around us. So that's the second hindrance. And the third hindrance is this. We live in a culture of speed. We live in a culture of speed. And, you know, one of the things that I'm realizing is that the enemy of my peace is not necessarily that I need to read another book about the 10 steps to peace. Okay, those are great books and they're good to read. But I wonder if sometimes the enemy of my peace is just my pace of life. There's a great book that a guy named John Mark Comer wrote that I want to give a shout out to. It's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And this is a great resource to actually be reading in this season. And I'm going to talk a, a few about a few of the principles that, that he mentioned. But, you know, it's amazing that this culture that we live in, it's like we just have this psychology of speed. To say, you know, I've got a little extra time on my hands right now would maybe be a little bit un-American, okay? And, you know, you can tell a lot about a person in the state of their heart by their patterns of driving. Anybody relate? Okay. Um, I recently uh, heard a story about a guy named Brian Houston, who is the pastor of Hillsong Church. And uh, he was on the highway, and he was driving, and uh, there was this car that was going a, a little bit slow. And, you know, just in a very loving, pastoral way, he just kind of pulled out from the other side of the car, and then he just kind of cut the other car off. You know, he's a pastor, so he did it in a loving way. Uh, but he cut the other car off, and so sure enough, the, the two of them take the same exit. And they're pulling up to the stoplight, and the other car pulls up next to Brian Houston's car, rolls down the window, looks out the car and says, uh, Pastor Brian, uh, did I do something wrong? Well, turns out that the guy was on his staff. He just didn't know what car he was driving, okay? Little bit of a bummer. You might say Pastor Brian was a little bit convicted about his pace of life and how quickly he was moving. Okay, here's another example. Uh, Duke University, okay, recently stopped assigning full-length textbooks because they found in their study that the students' brains weren't able to take in all the content, okay? Now, I'm not saying we need to outlaw full-length textbooks, so please don't go and do that, okay? But I am posing the question, if that's happening to the students' brains, what's happening to the students' souls? And is there an invitation for you and I to step into a greater measure of contentment by being at rest in Jesus? 
You know, one of the most powerful things that we can do as believers is not let the culture tell us what is normal. And we get to set a brand new normal in these days, in this time. And I mean this with with all of my heart. I was thinking about this and reflecting on it this week. I wonder, guys, if God, I'm not saying God is causing the coronavirus at all, but I wonder in the midst of it, the promise is that God always makes things good. If one of the things that is good right now is that we have an opportunity to slow down and come back to what really matters, faith and family and friends and the relationships that matter most to us. So those are three hindrances that can keep us from walking in peace. And based on that, I just want to give you two simple practicals, and they'll be short, that I believe can help us be a people of peace. And the first one is this. It's going to sound simple. Just slow down a little. Just slow down a little. People often ask, was Jesus a hurried person? The answer is no. In fact, he was unhurried to a fault few biblical examples for you of this. Mark 5, 21 through 43. This is the passage about Jairus' daughter. And Jesus receives news that Jairus' daughter is sick. And he is taking a two-day journey in order to get there. Okay? He's Jesus. He could have teleported if he wanted to. But he's going He takes two days to get there because on the way, he runs into a woman who's who's been subject to bleeding for 12 years. And he pauses and he stops and he heals the woman because Jesus was more about his father's business than he was anything else. And then he goes on and he heals Jairus' daughter. Another example for you is in Luke 2, verses 41 through 52. At 12 years old, Jesus gets left behind by his parents in the temple because he's what? Lingering in his father's house. I love that. Lingering in his father's house, in his father's presence. And what we see time and time again is Jesus putting on display for us what it looks like to live a non-hurried life that is present to the moment, present to God, present to the people in front of us, and even present to our own bodies and souls. So I just have a question for you. Are you matching your pace of life to his? Does your pace of life match that of what we see reflected by Jesus Christ in Scripture? One theologian described Jesus in this way and used the word relaxed. (laughs) If you had one word to describe Jesus, would you use the word relaxed? Like, can you imagine a stressed out Jesus? He's in this huge crowd. Okay, not really relevant to today with our social distancing and 10 people or less, but he's in this huge crowd and he's preached this mic dropping message and he's on his way out. And there's somebody who comes after him. It's like, wait, hang on. I need prayer. And Jesus is like, oh, sorry. Uh, I got to hop in the limo and catch my flight to LA. Okay, probably not going to happen. That's not the Jesus that we serve. Because Jesus was present to every moment in front of him. And you know, in my own life, guys, what I've realized is that when I get in a hurry, people can become projects to check instead of people to love. And I just wonder if each one of us maybe has an invitation right now to pause and to acknowledge the person in front of us and love them well. 
I don't want to be someone who finds my value in what I do. I want to be someone who finds my value in who I am in Jesus Christ. Second practical for you is this, embrace solitude and silence. Embrace solitude and silence. You know, you would be surprised what your soul might want to say to you when you take time for silence and solitude. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. So it's not just be still, but it's know that I am God. It's rest with a person. You know, Jamie always encourages us. He says, as a church body, the, the biggest piece of pastoral advice that I can give to you is to get daily time with Jesus. We have an opportunity right now to connect with Jesus, maybe like never before. And you know, the way to having God's peace is to have God's priorities. And that's what Jesus modeled for us time and time again, is he would withdraw to be with his father. In all of the things that he was doing in ministry, that was the one thing for him that he always came back to. The other time, I, the other day, I was uh, spending time with God, and I was taking a few moments just to pray for kind of what's going on in our world, and I just started getting anxious. And then, all of a sudden, my mind just started wandering to, to everything. Has that ever happened to you? Uh, do you ever notice what your mind wanders to when you're praying? What you should have been praying about. <laughs> And, you know, right now we have uh, an opportunity, I think, to be a people of prayer like never before. And one little practical that I want to encourage you with that's been helpful for me lately is that if you ever wake up in the morning anxious or worried about something, take out a piece of paper, write a list down, and at the top put the title, Worrying Me Today and write all the things that are worrying you, and then cross out worrying me today and write prayer list. And your old worry list is now your new prayer list. And now you get to turn every anxious thought into a prayer for victory. Isn't that good? It's just one simple practical that we can do as a church body to be those who walk in peace. All right, as we wrap up here, I want to just give one final encouragement to you. And I loved how Jamie preached on the parable when the disciples are on the boat and there's a storm going on in, in Mark 4 last week. And you know, I was thinking about that parable a little more and came across this realization. You know, oftentimes people will ask, why was it that Jesus could calm the storm and the disciples couldn't? And the answer is, that the sea looked like the disciples' hearts. And when Jesus spoke, the storm stopped and it looked like his heart. We serve a Jesus who wants to lead us by calm and still waters. We serve a Father that in these moments and in this time, he wants to hold us. He wants to hold us in his hands. He wants to protect us. He wants us to know his love and he wants us to know his peace. And maybe you're listening to this this morning and you have never actually made a decision to invite that peace into your own life. And I believe that for you, that this can be that moment. And so what I'm going to do here as we wrap up, I'm just going to pray. And 
whether you're in your home or you're watching somewhere else, I just want to invite you to close your eyes with me for a few moments as we pray. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, if you are sitting there and you're hearing my voice and you're wondering, is it possible for me to have this kind of peace that you're talking about? Scripture says that if we come to him and we believe in our heart that he, Jesus, died on the cross for our sins and rose back to life to free us, that we can have peace with God. And so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to count down from three. And if I get to one, when I get to one, if you want to give your life to Jesus, I just want you in your own heart, right where you're at, to pray. Three, he has the name that is above every other name. Two, he died on the cross for you to free you so that you could have peace with God. Three, if you want to give your life to Jesus, just right where you're at in your living room, I want you to just raise your hand. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, and you can just pray this simple prayer after me in your heart. You can say, Jesus, today I choose to follow you. Today I choose to leave everything that has hindered me, has felt like pressure, has felt chaotic in my life, and I turn to you and I ask for your peace in my heart. Jesus, I love you. Come inside me. Live inside of me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, just believe that Jesus is in your heart. And we want to walk with you. We want to partner with you uh, as a church body. For the rest of you, I just want to say that, again, the peace that God offers us is not a feeling. The peace that God offers us is a person. And every single one of us has an invitation to let that person come and commune with us in these days. So may we as a people here at Antioch, Fort Worth, be those who go around and pass out the peace of God that transcends all understanding so that our own church body and our own city would be transformed in Jesus' name. Amen. May you be blessed and we look forward to seeing you next week. We love you.